science enthusiasts. I'm your host, Jason Zakowski. I'm a high school chemistry teacher, but you probably know our dogs, Bunsen and Beaker. They're the science dogs on social media. This show takes what's best from their account, the curiosity and fun found there, and swirls it into podcast form. Every week, we're going to take some deep dive into an area of science and look at the research that's going on with our pets. We'll also have an expert guest who will enthrall you with their area of knowledge. This is the Science Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Science Podcast episode. We hope you're happy and healthy out there. The school year is winding down and it's almost the summer. Boy, (laughs) this last week has been really busy. So it's kind of a nice way to kind of like run out the clock on the year of school um, and and summer holiday starts for us, which is awesome. Alberta reached its targeted vaccination rate for full opening. So on Canada Day, Most of the health restrictions in Alberta will be over. I got my second shot. Chris is getting her second shot. Adam's getting her second shot. And our son Duncan is getting his second shot. And uh, pretty soon our whole family will be totally vaccinated. And that's really exciting. It'll be nice to get out and get back to to normal because this pandemic has taken a lot from us. All right. In science news, speaking of the pandemic, we're going to be talking about how what you think is moral could affect what you think is safe in a little bit of science philosophy. So that's kind of a different kind of science article. In pet science, we're going to talk about pet food. There's an interesting article about an additive in food and how it affects pet health. Our expert guest this week is Astro Toya. She is a pretty big social media presence on Twitter and is always dropping the space puns, which I, which I really enjoy. Speaking of puns, hey dogs, what do you win in a space talent competition? A constellation prize. <laughs> Okay, on with the show, because there's no time like science time. All right, this week in science news, we're going to talk about risk and morality in a little bit of science philosophy. This crossed my feed. I I subscribe to a whole bunch of different science websites, and they, they, they push out their content, right? And I saw this one, and it was really different. And it got me thinking, because Alberta is going back to pretty much no health restrictions July 1st. Some of us think it's a bit too soon. Some people have been calling for it for months. I don't know. I don't know where to stand. We are at a really high percentage of vaccination. I think we're at like 72% of Alberta has their first shot. And by the end of July, end of August, it might be that same percentage of double shots. But we do have that Delta variant, which is really, uh, really, really contagious. So I'm not sure what the best idea is, but there's without health restrictions and if everything's kind of back to normal, you're going to be in crowds if you go out, like things are going to be different. It got me thinking about how I judged people pre-vaccine, how I judged people when there was a lockdown. What this article was asking was, what did you think was riskier? You know, something like having your parents over for supper or going to a beach packed with people. Outdoor activities aren't as risky. It's way harder to uh, get the virus when you're outside rather than in a closed room with people. It's a much higher risk to pass that along. Humans rely on what we believe and how we feel to make decisions. Um, That that's a mental shortcut. Like, oh, I feel scared or this is what I believe to be true. And that's called heuristics. And it tends to take precedent when you're uncertain. So if you're not sure about something, you always go with what you believe and how you feel. 
<laughs> and that's really true. If I feel kind of sketched out, scared, if I'm out in the wild um, and I feel uncertain, I'm going to go with the fact that I don't want to get eaten by a bear. So one of the things we saw was a little bit of public shaming that occurred, especially when people were gathering in big crowds, for example, on beaches. We saw it in Florida. There was some happening in Canada. I mean, there's not a heck of a lot of nice beaches in Alberta. And especially in the spring, you're not going to be going to any kind of like lake in Alberta. But but anyways, uh, there was a little bit of public shaming. And one of the questions was like, was that risky for people go to, to go to the beach? Why were people judging that more harshly than some folks having their parents over who were really lonely? So a philosopher of science, Kaylin O'Connor from the University of California, asked some of these questions and they ran people through a series of, of questions on a questionnaire to kind of delve deeper into this morality versus risk. So they dev- devised this uh, fake scenario where people were exposed to the same risk of infection but had various different reasons for having violating social distancing guidelines. So example, they had one character named Joe, and he was trapped on an elevator with five of his neighbors for about a half an hour. And in one of the scenarios, Joe was a cocaine addict and was going to pay his dealer. But in the other scenario, Joe was just trying to help out an elderly neighbor fix their air conditioning so they didn't cook to death on a hot day. On the survey of more than 800 people, they evaluated how moral they thought the person's actions were, but then they also evaluated how risky they thought the person's actions were. And that's where things get really interesting. The more moral they thought somebody's actions were, like Joe going to help his neighbor, the less risky they thought their actions were. They also found a similar link when social distancing violators uh, broke the social distancing laws intentionally versus accidental. If they were on purpose breaking the social distancing guidelines, their risk and morality seemed to track with the previous experiment. They were seen as more moral or less moral, more moral, obviously, if it was an accidental social distancing uh, break and less risky. Now, this seems kind of silly, but if you extrapolate that to what we saw during the pandemic, it starts to make a lot of sense for what, like, especially us in Alberta, what we saw with people who were breaking social distancing rules. For example, if somebody thinks it's morally correct to go to their place of worship, for example, and we saw that with some churches in Alberta, they felt their risk was way less than um, going to a crowded bar, even though your risk is essentially the same thing, being in a packed church singing and and talking and being in a nightclub with people, not I guess they could be singing, (laughs) and shouting and talking. There was a similar study done early in December of 2020 by behavioral scientist Shane Timmons, they also found the same kind of link. Now, how they ran their study was somebody was seeking medical help and they had a scale of somebody who was, you know, had a cut finger to somebody who had serious medical issues and needed to go in to see the doctor. And what they found is as the person's medical situation changed to become more dire, the respondents to this survey felt that their risk of contracting COVID got less, even though it didn't change at all. I find that so fascinating. I probably would feel the same way if I was not thinking about it too carefully. So when people rely on their feelings to guide what they do, 
This is called effect heuristic. And you might see this as like somebody who, I don't know, somebody who loves hiking in the mountains will perceive the risk of getting eaten by a bear to be very, very low compared to somebody who hates hiking. They might perceive the risk to be eaten by a bear very, very high. Uh, the pandemic, for all intents and purposes, unless we have another wave or there's a variant that is um, makes the, the vaccines ineffective, I think it's, for us in Canada, it's slowing to a crawl um, as more and more of our population gets vaccinated. And I think, surprisingly, we are now the most vaccinated nation on Earth for first dose and by end of August for second dose, dose as well. It, you know, we'll have pockets of COVID-19 infection, but having a do-over, one of the things this information can do is perhaps our public health officers can take this social science, this philosophy of science and tweak the messaging. You can really do damage if you tell people, you know, going to church is the same risk as going to a bar. Because if you tell that to somebody, they don't understand that they don't believe that because they feel morally going to a church is more to themselves and their own beliefs, more morally acceptable than going to a bar. And I'm just using church as an example. I know there are many people that are are devout and and are and, and do follow a religion. Chris is Catholic, but during the pandemic, she did not go to church. She maintained proper social distancing rules, and they had like church online or live streaming or something. So, anyways, this is a little bit different article for the Science Podcast, but I thought it was really interesting and timely. That's science news for this week. This week in pet science, we're going to talk about pet food. I think I've spoken before about how picky Bunsen was as a puppy. <laughs> he was so picky. Um, and he's currently on raw food, and he does really good on raw food. We notice immediately, um, like, his coat gets weird and greasy and uh, gross, kind of, if he's not on raw food. And um, we started Beaker on raw food, too. And I don't know if she's allergic to stuff. Um, she's gotten a couple hot spots and we talked to the vet about that. So now she's on like this hydrolyzed chicken, anti, <laughs> anti-allergic dog food. Uh, we'll see how she does. I think we're going to try to put her back on raw food here in a second, but <clears throat> if she does have a reaction to it, you got to do what's right for your pet. Again, this, uh, this article came across my feed and I thought, it, and I thought it'd be interesting to talk to you guys about it. So this is all about the saccharide oligosaccharide, oligosaccharide, which is made from polysaccharides. Anyways, it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of sugars connected together. It's a complex carbohydrate. Why I'm talking about this is that in infant formula, um, they've been putting these supplements inside uh, infant formula to mimic what's in uh, breast milk. And the reason why is they act like a uh, prebiotic or something that's really good to boost mycoflora in babies' guts. So if it's good for humans, is it good for animals? A University of Illinois research team took a look at this and checked out the safety and what it did to both cats and dogs. Now, in order to formulate both the dog food and the cat food, they had to figure out, well, what is in dog milk, <laughs> dog, dog milk, and what's in cat milk. And uh, they found that it was a little bit, they were different, obviously. Um, they found three predominant oligosaccharides in canine milk. Feline milk had 15 structures. It's a little bit more complicated in the, in the feline milk. Also, you have to remember the, the reason why they couldn't use the same food formula is that cats are true carnivores, whereas dogs, dog pets are omnivores, right? They can eat both plant products and meat 
products. This team published their findings in the Journal of Animal Science uh, in two separate studies. They were looking at the safety, but also the digestibility and the effect. The team has had their research published a couple times to show that this probiotic formula, which they're calling GNU 100, um, is safe for dogs and cats. So the first study was about its safety. They looked at cellular colonies and there wasn't any toxic effects, uh, never didn't cause any cell mutation. There wasn't any reason to expect tos- toxicity because it's an oligosaccharide that's already in um, cat and dog milk, but it's something that the, the American FDA is, is interested in in pet foods. Anyways, then the second part is they put 1% GNU with a fat source and they put it in dry diets for cats and dogs. And they wanted to see if the dogs or cats would like it. And the hilarious thing is both the dogs and cats went crazy for the GNU, GNU 100, the the oligosaccharide mix. Um, in the cats, it was a giant preference. They ate nearly eight, 18 times more food with the GNU 100 than control. And uh, the dogs preferred the GNU as well. I don't know if it tasted better. So the lead scientist Swanson uh, talked about how like the GNU contains these oligosaccharides and and some other peptides, but maybe they can smell it. Maybe they can taste it. It's it's tough, but they absolutely preferred it over the control. Then they fed uh, different dogs, different percentages of the GNU 100 diet from 0%, 0 0.5%, 1%, and 1.5%. And uh, and then they fed them to... um, already healthy dogs and cats for about six months. And then they took a look at everything from their stool to their blood to, I guess, like how they were acting um, and their gut microbe. So as a conclusion, there wasn't any bad side effects of it being on GNU 100. The researchers did see a shift in gut microbe towards a little bit more beneficial than their the control group. So aside from the gut bacteria, there wasn't much difference between the GNU 100 food and the and the regular food, the, the food without the special oligosaccharides. But the big thing to remember is that the dogs and cats went mental for the taste of the GNU 100. So while they don't say it in their study... I think even if it turns out there's really not that great of a difference, it maybe helps out the the cat and dog gut uh, microflora a little bit. I think they've got a winner for taste. 18 times more than a control. (laughs) I think think they could make a buck just off that by itself. When do you think you can get these oligosaccharides? Well, it's still under investigation. It's still under testing. Um, the studies, the studies back from a couple years ago, and and it's been updated to in the last couple months. You could be seeing like the the um, oligosaccharide uh, pet food pretty soon, within a year or two. That's pet science for this week. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Science Podcast this week. The Science Podcast is always going to be free to download, but if you want to support the show, there's a couple things you can do. The first one is sign up on our Patreon page patreon.com backslash Bunsen Burner. There's multiple tiers of support. We have a ton of fun with the patron group. You get to be on the podcast. You get postcards from Bunsen and Beaker. You get swag. You get early pictures. You get a whole bunch of awesome stuff. So check it out. The lowest tier is only five bucks a month. The other way you could support the show is checking out our merch shop. Our merch shop is hilarious. It's got all these adorable cartoons of Bunsen and Beaker. We keep producing more. I just want to thank the people that have 
supported the show that way. We're really, really proud of our merch shop because the, the merch, the clothes, is really high quality. The colors are vibrant, and um, we come up with some really fun designs all the time. So check it out. That's at BunsenBurnerBMD.com. Thanks, everybody. On to the interview. It's time for Ask an Expert on the Science Podcast, and I am super thrilled to have Toya Palmer, who is an aerospace engineering student with us today. How are you doing today, Toya? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited to talk to you. I love your Twitter account and your your jokes. Your puns <laughs> and your jokes are just, they just hit me right in the heart in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Do you, do you do your puns and your jokes in real life, or is that a Twitter thing? Oh my gosh, I do it <laughs> to my in-laws, my mom, and my husband. I have to make sure that they it's, it's you know quality content so I can take it to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you joke shop them, do you? Yes. <laughs> you're like you're like Chris Rock going from city to city practicing all of the stand-up, right? Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Getting ready for the Netflix specials. I have to get their like opinion first. And if, if they like roll their eyes and just like, oh my gosh, Toya, then I know it's postworthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Toya, where are you calling into the podcast from? Where are you in the world? I am in Auburn, Alabama. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Um, and are you and your family doing okay with coronavirus? I, I ask all our guests uh, this question. I'm just, uh, it, it's kind of touched everybody. Yeah. So I have... Um, definitely me and my husband have definitely been okay. We try to stay at home as much as possible, but you know, we had the honeymoon recently. So, uh, and everything, but I recently got the first dose of Moderna and my second dose is on Tuesday. So, and my husband's vaccination is coming up in a few weeks. So we're super excited. We're definitely blessed to not be able to have to deal with that, but it's, you know, it's a scary situation. I've lost, you know, some of my church family, uh, uh, church family from Corona. So it's, you know, it's very heartbreaking that it's still affecting people. But um, thankfully, I have not, you know, dealt with that. So that's good. And it's a blessing too. Oh, okay. That's good to hear. I'm glad. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about your aerospace engineering training. Could you talk to us about where you are in all of that training and in kind of your 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 career path line or your your career as a student yeah so like of course i'm going to go back to high school i graduated high school in 2012 um from Alexander city because that's my hometown and I, then i transferred to other um a community college i gradu- graduated from there then went to another university and um completed some mathematics and computer science work so i could complete my bachelor's and right now that's what i'm doing at auburn university um i'm trying to complete my bachelor's. I could not complete it. I was supposed to graduate in May, but I couldn't afford it. Um, So I wanted to take that break for mental health and everything and just, you know, be okay with taking a break. And because I've been in school from, from 2012 up to now, and I have never taken a break from anything. (laughs) So I'm, I'm definitely exhausted with it, but I'm still very passionate with it. I just finished an internship with the aerospace corporation. Um, I was a aerospace technical intern and it lasted from November up to, I think, I think March, I think I got finished and I did some Mars orbital mission work and it was very exciting doing computer aided design work as well as programming with Python and MATLAB to get those orbital missions and orbital mechanics working. And of course you may not know what like orbital mechanics is, but it's a required class for um, aerospace engineering and it deals with like 
uh, ballistics and celestial mechanics. So kind of like with the motion of rockets and other spacecraft. So it's a very difficult course, but it's very interesting. And you have to know, because if you go into the aerospace industry, whether you go in the space side or the, uh, the you know, helicopters or planes or anything, you're definitely going to need to know about things like that. You're taking some pretty advanced courses to get to get this done what what was what was it that drove you to this path when you were in high school like what what was the spark that made you think about aerospace engineering yeah it was actually before high school i was a very like a reader um i my mom would buy me books like every single week and hopefully and she would hope that i would finish it like in like a month or so but i would finish it at the end of the day so she would give me these science books and you know these space books books about may may jemison and books about the challengers stuff like that i would read all these books and that's why it sparked so much interest and we lived in the country like i'm from like the absolute country like a very small country town and there wasn't many trees around where we lived at. So it was possible to stargaze every single night when it wasn't raining and didn't have the clouds. So it really sparked an interest. And I told my mom one day, I was like, I really want to go up there. I want to experience it. I want to see the earth from outer space. And it just it lit a fire inside of me that has not died down and will never die down because space is just so fascinating. You know, we only know a little bit about it, but it's constantly expanding and it's constantly um, giving us more knowledge of how we can treat spacecraft and how we can get it out further. Because, you know, of course, I don't know if you know about the Perseverance rover landed on Mars, and that's pretty amazing what uh, NASA has done with, uh, you know, you know, space exploration and stuff like that. So that's that's where that passion came from. Oh yeah, we I watched the Perseverance landing as live on my computer, and I was like holding my breath and. Um, did you cheer when they got the signal like I did? Were you like super happy when you found out? I cried. (laughs) It's emotional, right? The people have all their hopes and dreams in that, that, well, it's not so little, that car sized buggy, that Rover, right? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like what they did, they carried, um, the Mars helicopter on the belly of Perseverance and it's pretty awesome what they're doing out there for space exploration and it's showing kids and especially these new generations coming up that want to go into these fields and, or considering going into the fields that, Hey, we're doing things that are past earth and past the moon. I know they want to land astronauts back on the moon again, which is awesome, but, uh, we are going further than the moon. We're going further than Mars. So that's, it just sparks fire in children and it sparks fire in adults just like me. So I, I definitely cried about it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's so, you know, I, I don't, I don't judge you at all. I got misty eyed too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. That little helicopter is something else. Hey, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's, I did not know that a helicopter could definitely function on um, an atmosphere other than Earth's atmosphere, but it's definitely interesting and fascinating to see it work and um, see perseverance persevere. <laughs> so um, it's definitely amazing. I do. My, one, my favorite planet is Mars. It, oh, <laughs> oh I, I, I cried a lot. So um, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, very cool. And you have an end goal of being an astronaut. Like you mentioned when you were a kid, you wanted to go up to the stars. Do you still have that goal? end goal is being an, of being an astronaut? Or, yeah. Or, oh, cool. Yeah, so 
so, so going up to outer space that doesn't terrify you it's very terrifying <laughs> I, know, I know someone on twitter was like hey what's scarier the ocean or outer space and i can't pick one because for one we only know about a small percentage of both and there's so many things that we have not discovered about either one of them and there's so many things that's terrifying about it i know that like when i I'm going to go on a side here. Me and my husband went on vacation to Tampa and we tried to kayak and it went horribly wrong because I have a very, like a large fear of water. (laughs) (laughs) So I fell in the water and I, every possible horrible scenario that could go in my head went off. I thought some mystical sea creature was going to come and get me and I was freaking out until they got me out. (laughs) Like I was freaking out. So that's, like, you know, going to space, I'm definitely going to freak out aside from feeling all those G's of pressure on me from the rocket. But it's it's very terrifying because there's so many things we don't know and so many things that could go wrong. <laughs> but outside of that, it's beautiful and it's silent and it's very, very cold. <laughs> I do want to be an astronaut because, I mean, there is so much beauty up there. And then and it's also nothing, too. So nothingness is always beautiful. <laughs> so, so I think that's a I think that's a good quote. <laughs> nothingness is beautiful. There you go. You know, yeah. in the middle of January, in the out in the fe- a field in Canada, there's a lot of silent and cold. Um, yeah. But we do have air, so I mean that's a, that's a, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, we've been to the ocean a few times, um, and I've gone snorkeling. I love snorkeling. Oh. Um, Love it. I love snorkeling. If I could maybe snorkel like the snorkeling experience in outer space, I think I'd be good with it. Um, (laughs) I don't know how that would work, but I definitely am into that too. That's awesome. Just like you just go to outer space for a little bit and then you come back and take a breath, you know, like that's, (laughs) that's my kind of, that's kind of my kind of (laughs) thing. Um, and what's really interesting and probably excites you too is that um, there are more and more space developments by the day, and that's going to open up space exploration for more people. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm seeing that. I think the United States just, didn't they just select four random citizens? Or not so random, like very special yes. citizens? Yes. Yeah. Inspiration for contest. Yeah. What yeah. A- one of my best friends, well, she, one of my best friends, my favorite scientist, Dr. Cyan Proctor. Oh my gosh, I love her so much. She was picked. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it's so awesome because she was actually a NASA astronaut candidate. Unfortunately, that did not go as, as she had planned, but <laughs> she's going to space anyway. So, I mean, it all worked out. I'm so proud of her. And as well as the other people who got picked, um, it's super awesome that they get to go to space. So I'm really excited to see that launch. Cool. Cool. Well, if they ever decide to send dogs to outer space, I might think about taking one of mine, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll watch your adventures firmly planted on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Um, could you talk to everybody a little bit about maybe some cool developments in spaceflight? Um, I mean, you're closer to the the whole thing than I am. Um, do you have anything you could tell us about that? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to perseverance because I'm very passionate about it. And of course, you know, like I said, Mars is my favorite planet. So, you know, they landed. Nobody really... 
you know, the common person doesn't really know why Perseverance and um, the Mars helicopter um, are on Mars. So I can go ahead and tell you, like, Perseverance uh, was it landed on Mars to find ancient uh, life that could have possibly been over there. So Mars is purely just rock, <laughs> and, and it's caused by the red planet. On the belly of Perseverance was the Mars helicopter, and it um, is definitely awesome. It it, it launched in July and twenty of twenty twenty. So it for once, like the rover Perseverance landed on Mars. It had to reach a suitable location for the helicopter to be released. So it performs a series of test flights over a thirty day like Martian day uh, experimental uh, window. It already started at the beginning of early April, I believe. So it will take off a few feet from the ground, hover in the air for about 20 to 30 seconds, and then land. And this is the first like powered helicopter that's ever been in space. So that's why it's like awesome for us space mm-hmm. folks. We get the nerd out. <laughs> so after all of that, like after the helicopter's been, you know, there for a while, it'll attempt additional experimental flights of incrementally like farther distance and greater altitudes. So basically we're just trying to find more information about Mars and you know what happened, what caused it to be this way? Like was that was there ever water? Was there ever life? Is there life? That's definitely what I want to see as for like this the the space flight i know that nasa and other companies are working on nuclear powered rocket engines and stuff like that but as for right now we are talking about perseverance the <laughs> perseverance rover because that's gonna t- that's gonna take a while the nuclear power rocket um engine is definitely very complex very dangerous so and it's you know one of my favorite research topics to talk about <laughs> but um Outside of that, I I think that, you know, as for right now, like, you know, we are on Mars and we are trying to find so much information. You know, when I saw the pictures of it landing and stuff like that. So the Morse coded parachute that landed, um, that helped Perseverance land on Mars was decoded to say Dare Mighty Things. And it's super awesome. I love that Dare Mighty Things. (laughs) Yeah. You have to dare mighty things if you're going to sit on basically a bomb and ride it to where there's no oxygen. Yeah, it's super awesome. I love it. <laughs> it's cool. It- it's so risky, but, you know, Mar- NASA and everything, you know, NASA and SpaceX, they are risky companies and they do risky things. So, and it's, you know, like I said, it's very inspirational to not only me, but younger generations who want to go further, you know, further than Mars. Do you do you watch science fiction TV shows and movies? Like, is that in your wheelhouse, or or do you do you look at those and laugh a bit, and you're like, Haha, <laughs> yeah, I I watched a little bit of Star Trek and you know a little bit of Star Wars and stuff like that, like Interstellar, and you know, of course, that's a movie, but you know, some of these things are a little bit laughable. But I think Interstellar was about as close to right as we can get i think um it, you know explain details well and stuff like that but you know some of it is laughable but to the regular person who doesn't get it and stuff like that it you know it helps them to understand that hey space is very interesting and maybe they'll just get on the computer and start researching it so i'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's either laughable or it just helps people become more knowledgeable about things <laughs> I uh, one of my favorite. It's, it's a canceled TV show. It's called Firefly, and they had really cool stuff in outer space. Like whenever they were in outer space, there wasn't a lot of sound, right? Yeah. Um, 
And I thought that was real. I was puzzled when I first watched it. I'm like, what? Why is there it? Why is it so silent? Because I'm used to Star Wars with like the pew, pew, pew lasers, right? (laughs) And that 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 literally can't happen, correct? You can't have like loud pew, pew, pew lasers in space that we know it. Right. Um, I guess unless you're like right next to the beam, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well... Well, in order for sound to travel, there has to be like molecules for it to travel through. So, of course, you know, space is a large, empty area. So, of course, there can't be no sounds. There can't be any sound there. But until I get there, I'm going to try. I should, <laughs> I should start on that. Like, do research. Like, hey, let me go try to make some sound or something. <laughs> do, you think, do you think some astronauts have been up and they've been singing like they sing in the shower and nobody can hear them and they sing in outer space and nobody can hear them? I wonder if that happens. I'm going to just try to put like on a new spacecraft, like a microphone on the outside and just start singing in the shower. Like, can y'all hear this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, um, uh, we love following you on Twitter. So uh, I hope your, I hope your, your dreams of getting to become an astronaut do come true. Um, We'll definitely, we'll definitely be there cheering you all the way um, through Bunsen and Beaker's account. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's switch, let's switch gears a bit. Speaking of Bunsen and Beaker, um, one of the questions we always ask our guests for is a pet story. Yeah. Um, Could you share a pet story with us? Oh my God. This is going to be funny. Try not to laugh. Okay. 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 So growing up, I had a pit bull. His name was Patches. And every single animal that we had, I would always teach it to chase me outside. Like we had a large playing area and everything. So one day we had a long driveway. So I took him to, you know, I would have him sit at the door of the house. And then I would go to the end of the driveway and then tell him to chase me from there to the driveway back to the house. And we had a glass door, glass screen before the door, you know. So (laughs) one day I told him to do that exact thing and I was just running from him and everything. And I went straight through the glass door, all that glass pierced (laughs) pierced my skin. And he was just staring and barking at me and stuff like that. Like I was fine. I started laughing about it and everything. Like at that time, I think my adrenaline was up, so it didn't hurt as much, but I had a really good time. Patches was like, the love of my life in a dog form. So I loved him so much. So um, he, he, he is a, he was a cool dog. Unfortunately he died from old age, but Mm -hmm. um, those are the really awesome stories from, you know, when I was young, we had so many animals, you know, we had at least, I think 10 dogs and five cats, you know, because so I have a strong love for dogs and cats, more of dogs, but cats are awesome too. So, because <laughs> cats like represent me getting up in the morning <laughs> and, and like cranky, but their crankiness lasts all day, <laughs> like all their life. So, the dogs are like just like cuddling and you know, they love it and everything, they love back scratches. So, um, I'm, te- I'm trying to. I'm not, my, my in-laws have three dogs. They have Hazel, Millie, and Toby. And Toby's a chihuahua. And he's like old and he's, 
he's like he's like an old grumpy old like man that just hates everything and hates everybody except my in-laws like he he just hates everything but i love him so much he's adorable so that's <laughs> my mother-in-law has to go to the bathroom he has to come with her or he's just like mad at the world and will not speak to anybody or anything but millie is the sweetest and hazel is one of the sweetest dogs ever like she's huge and the huge dogs always think that they're little so she'll just come up in your lap and just sit down plop down and she's just heavy but she's like she's like huge but she's still a puppy so <laughs> she thinks that she's really small but she's she's like adorable so <laughs> that's so cute um <laughs> i uh somebody i know has a chihuahua and it it um it's it's friendly but it's angry friendly yes uh, like it it wants to come sit on you but oh if you try to pet it while it's sitting on you it's gonna bite you like it's uh it's kind of like this it's kind of a confusing animal to be around <laughs> very confusing i'm like why are y'all so angry with life <laughs> maybe because they're so little i don't know yes. yeah i think it's because they're so little they can't reach things <laughs> <laughs> That is true about Bunsen. Like sometimes he forgets just how big he is. Um, <laughs> and he, he rarely comes up on the couch to sit on you, but like, or sit by you, but sometimes he'll, he will. And it's just like, dude, like you can do this for about a second and then I'm going to die. Like you can't. <laughs> yeah. I love them so much. Did you get any stitches from going through, busting through the glass when, when you were running away from patches? I know that like my mom wanted to take up, take me to the hospital, but I don't like hospitals at all till this day. So she just picked, picked the glasses all out of my skin. Like she just picked it all. Like, and there were so many like in my arms, I still have like, like scars from where they were, but it was a good time. She was laughing the whole time. I mean, after she knew that I was okay, she was laughing. <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess a one one way to look at it is that you have patches uh, from patches on your body. Yes, patches from patches. I need to write that down. Patches from patches. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing your pet stories. They're, that's great. Uh, very cute and, and funny too. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other question we always ask our guests, which are kind of like our standard questions, is for a super fact. Yeah. And a super, yeah, super fact can, is something that you know that kind of blows people's minds when you tell them. It could be a thing you know or a story. Um, could you share a super fact with us? Sure. So um, I'm going to share a fact about Mars because I, I I could talk about Mars all day. I love it so much. <laughs> so Mars is the fourth planet of, uh, from the sun. It's also called from the Roman god of war, um, the red planet. So and that's where they got the name from. Um, it's it's cold and it's desert and has a very thin atmosphere and it's also dusty. So it has you know it has polar ice caps, canyons, uh, extinct volcanoes, and it was active in the past. And that's, of course, why the rover and the helicopter are there for those evidences and that, that knowledge that they can find out. But, you know, there's so many things that we want to know about, like the past life. So I think that Mars has a great history um, about life. I think that something major happened and I hope that we can find that out. So it. I, I believe that it had a, you know, rivers and, you know, ponds and stuff like that. I, I believe that it had those awesome things that that Earth has, you know, awesome but terrifying, uh, terrifying things. So um, 
it has evidence that it was even more active in the past. So it's the most explored. Mars is the most explored body in our solar system. And, you know, two NASA rovers and one lander are currently explore. Well, they were, they were currently exploring the surface of Mars. And so what we just want to know is how active was life back then or was it active at all? Did something big happen? You know, stuff like that. I think that's one of my big facts. So yeah, a super fact. That is a super fact. Mars is super cool and you can't have a super cool planet without super facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think, I, I've asked people who are in the, you know, who are passionate about space and study space. Do you think there's a chance they'll find life on Mars or do you think it's just too dead? Um, I, I'm kind of like iffy about it. Um, so there's been no proof of past or present life has been on Mars. It suggests like, and like before, you know, before us and before anything happened, the surface environment on Mars had liquid water, may have been habitable for microorganisms. But as of like, as of presently now, I don't think there anything is there now because it's so dry and has such a very thin environment. I'm not sure they would survive, um, but you never know because I think there's things out there that we have not discovered, and that's equally as interesting as it is terrifying. So, um, in the past, I believe that there was life. So I'm gonna go with that. If it's not, that's okay because there's still nine planets outside of Pluto. I still believe Pluto is a planet, no matter what they say. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, no, yeah, I, I do believe that it was very survivable for these microorganisms to survive. Um, not sure if they'll be able to find anything lately. They'll probably have to do some experiments and the tests, but you know, of course we have the time to do that. So I do want to know if there was anything there, you know? Yeah. That would be pretty prof profound, right? Like, uh, yeah. like we know life's on earth and if even really, really simple life was on Mars, that, that bodes well for life outside of our little solar system, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's super awesome. <laughs> It'd be quite a lonely thought. I've watched some videos of like, maybe, you know, life is very, very, very rare. And we could be like the first, you know, thing that has life. And that's a very lonely thought when you think about how big space is. It is. But you know what? I think that I have another personality on another galaxy somewhere light years away because I don't know where my decisions come from. <laughs> <laughs> You're like uh, you you you're like Rick from Rick and Morty, and there's many versions of you out there. Yes, yes. And you know what? If I find another version of myself, I think I will just befriend it and then tell it to make better decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think we would all like to tell our other versions some things we've done in the past. That have been a mistake. Yeah. Like cer certain haircuts I got in high school or like, you know, stay away from that person. They're up to no good. <laughs> you, know, you know, the funny thing is you mentioning a haircut. I woke up this morning and just decided to cut my hair off. Like my hair, <laughs> like it was just long. So I just decided to cut it. And, and I think that my doppelganger, you know, in another galaxy is probably laughing at me with long hair and like <laughs> her she thinks that she's awesome and i am <laughs> so yeah i think that you know i don't think that we're as alone as we think we are i think that there are parallel universes outside yeah that's isn't that's a that's a that's a actually legit physics theory isn't there yeah, isn't it? it is yeah they you know the theory is because we haven't encountered it you know like 
close to us um, is that, you know, there's parallel universes on the opposite of black holes. And of course, we can't really travel through one because of spaghettification and everything else. But if we could one day and just find another universe or wherever it lands, I think that I would probably cry and die at the same time. Like cry, die. (laughs) Yeah, it it would be pretty awesome because, you know, it's, it goes towards so many questions that we have, you know, and, and I'm religious, you know, I have so many questions and, you know, I, I grew up in a very strict Christian household. So I wasn't allowed to ask these questions that I have, but I'm still going to ask them. So uh, like, are we alone? You know, where, why are we here? Where do we come from? When did the big, big bang happen? How did it happen? Stuff like that. Stuff that scientists can answer. So it's a lot of questions that, you know, even kids can uh, answer, you know, as they get older and study these things. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Instead of, instead of just not knowing it's better to ask the question and try to answer it. Yeah. Most definitely. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I love this little chat. That's so that's, that's, that's been really fun about your suit. You know, it kind of the super fact turned into a super discussion. So <laughs> yeah, I talk a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, People, yeah. people tune into the podcast. I'll listen to people talk. It's all good. Um, the last section of the podcast is a really fun one Um, guests get to talk about things that they're passionate about something that maybe is outside their what they're studying or their job um, a hobby or or you know something that they've taken up during the pandemic Uh, you wanted to talk about um, some of your hobbies Uh, could what what are they what are you doing yeah so um, I stay at home most of the time um, but I do love to read. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Stephen Hawking. <laughs> so, um, you know, my favorite book by him and that I read, I think once a year at least is a brief history of time. So it's a really fascinating book. Um, it really, it's, it's, it's very, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's a really good read. I would probably say that. Um, it explains like a range of topics of like, you know, like astrophysics and cosmology, like including like the Big Bang, light cones, black holes. So, and one of my favorite um, topics about like astrophysics and astro and aerodynamics and stuff like that. Um, it is black holes. So, and how spectacular they are. So he covers that a lot. It's a lot of discussions in the book. So I do love to read. I'm trying to pick it up again because I usually just picked it down because I was always in school, didn't have really a lot of time to read. So now, now I do because of the pandemic and everything. And I'm trying to keep myself and my family safe and as well as others. So um, reading is definitely one of my true loves. Um, also programming. <laughs> programming, I know I, I, I dog MATLAB a lot as a programming language that us college students use a lot um for simulations of rockets and stuff like that but i um i actually kept the software that we used um in my previous semester for turbine and turbojet engines we basically start simulated so we take these known facts about the turbojet and the turbo um the turbine engines and we plug these these characteristics into this um into the programming language so it was called mpss which is stands for numerical propulsive propulsive simulation system and it was very complicated i'm gonna go ahead and tell you that <laughs> like we had just gotten intru- uh, introduced to it um last semester so 
we were really panicking. We were like, what is this? So we we had to code up in C in I think C++, which is another programming language, these characteristics about these engines, um, you know, the turbine, turbojet, and ramjet, stuff like that. And we had to look at you know, these different situations that the engines can go through and what comes out of it, you know, basically different pressures, different temperatures. So that's basically what I do in my hobby time. I just take different characteristics from it. It may, it works like 5% of the time, <laughs> but in 90, the other 95%, uh, 95% of the time is me coding. So <laughs> that's one of my hobbies. I do love coding and I do love pro, um, reading. I do love researching things. So um, I spend most of my time researching things because I, I don't like being in the dark about things. So, yeah. Hmm. I, I I just love listening to people who know who actually do programming talk yeah. about programming because it just make like I have a I have a couple 3D printers and I had to upgrade their firmware mm-hmm. and it was like I just had to like find the right file and put it on a little card <laughs> and then put it in my 3D printer and I had to change like one line of code but I was following a YouTube video yeah. and it worked and I'm like I am a hacker Yes. I am. Um, I I could rob a bank. I know exactly how to like get into the mainframe. And it, I was just watching some twelve year old kid on YouTube. So and you know what? You're not you're not much different from a programmer. All we do, we don't really know what we're doing, but the internet helps a lot, and it makes us feel smart. So you know what? You're a programmer if you just you you did things, and I'm proud of you because <laughs> you know. I, Half of us don't know what we're doing, and that's okay. <laughs> I was very proud on one of my 3D printers when the, when it turns on, a little little picture of baby Yoda shows up. So <laughs> I was like, "That I did that. I did that." Oh my god! I haven't even fi- finished the Mandalorian. I have not finished it at all, but it's so cute, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it I love it so much. It's great. That's the kind of Star Wars I like. Um, I like the more. As grounded as you can get sci-fi, um, the the magic space wizards, I'm not super super into it, but I know people are. I mean, people have people love Star Wars. Oh um, yes, for the for the lightsabers and the Jedi stuff. <laughs> My husband is a super nerd over it. It's really awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks for talking to us about your hobbies, um, both reading and coding. I bo- I think it's true, but there are you like if you want to get into coding, there are hundreds of YouTube videos that can start you off right yeah there are and there's also an app called i think solo learner i have on my phone it takes you step by step of like you know what this programming language does it starts you off like you know just with different exercises you can also learn matlab online i think they have like different sessions and stuff like that but if you want to truly learn you it, it, it and that app has it too Technology is both a double-edged sword, right? We have some bad stuff on social media, like all the gross kind of commenting. But then we have stuff like this, which I like if you think back to when you were a kid or when I was like I was I'm older than you when I was a kid. Like there was if you there's no nothing. You had to go to a library and maybe you found a book that would teach you how to program and it wasn't near as what it is today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely evolved. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's not as hard as I wouldn't say people make it because I don't want to, I don't want to come off that way. But if you want to learn a programming language, it's that information is always out there. Hmm. 
<laughs> just like learning another language you can always get like was it duolingo or something like that well i had to delete duolingo because it, it, it sends so many notifications like hey we missed you i'm like i'm sorry <laughs> like i'm sorry i don't want to learn french today <laughs> i only know a little bit of french though so i'm ho- i'm hopeless i tried to um like i teach it i teach it a uh french immersion school right um oh. there's an english side and a french side could Canada's Canada has two official languages, um, and both my my wife and my kids are are multilingual. Like they are bilingual, they speak fluent French and English. <laughs> and even being around that, I'm still so bad at speaking French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I went to if I went to France right now, I probably would. I don't know what I would do. I would be so lost. <laughs> I would be using my phone. I'd be like into like Google Translate. Yes. Please say, please say something I know. So, yeah. Well, this has been an absolute delight talking to you today. Um, Thank you so much for giving up your time to talk about um, Astro Engineer. uh, Sorry. I'm talking about, you know, your, your work with Astro Space Engineering and some really interesting facts about Mars and talking about perseverance. Uh, It's been, it's been a joy. Where can people find you on social media? You have a a really funny Twitter account. Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Astro Toya. Um, I'm also on TikTok. I play Piccolo, and uh, my husband plays bass with me sometimes. If they want to follow me there, TikTok is Piccolo Toya. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Really? Okay, I'm gonna have to. I am trying to figure out TikTok. It's just <laughs> outside of my brain, and um, I I love I love the humor on TikTok, and the some of the science communicators are really killing it on TikTok. We'll have all of your um, accounts linked in the show notes, so uh, folks who are listening, if you want to follow Toya on Twitter, um, you can just click on it. I'll take you right there. Awesome! Thank you so much. Okay, it's time for story time with me, Adam. If you don't know what story time is, story time is when we talk about stories that have happened within the past one or two weeks. Mom, do you have a story? I sure do. Now, my story may be long and convoluted, so I'm going to try and shrink it up. I know, I know. Shocking. Anyway, so once upon a time, no, just kidding. I have a fish tank that is now the dedicated guppy tank. It's green. Well, th- I was getting to that. It is now green, like in, as in pea soup green. So I, it does look like the ooze. It does look like the slime from Ghostbusters. And the ooze is from Ninja Turtles. Okay, well, obviously, Jason wants to tell my story. I am missing the pop culture gene, I guess. Anyway, so I have a fish tank. It has an algae problem. I did my research. I bought a something called a green machine, a UV sterilizer. So I've been so stoked to put this in, and I was ready to put it in tonight at about 6.30. Now, prior to that, I was trying to tidy up the room a little bit and get the stuff ready to put it, get out of the box. And Beaker is always very curious when I'm doing anything turtle or fish related. So she was in there like a dirty shirt, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I am here also. Hmm, what's going on? I am here. Here I am. So because the water is so green, when the fish, you can't see them if you're looking into the glass, but if they come close to the glass... You can really see them. And Beaker was like, wait a second. 
I can really see these things moving. What is going on? And so she would put her nose up to the glass as the fish came right to the glass. And it was, I'm not sure if she was going to bite them, but she was just very curious about them. And now the UV sterilizer is installed. So hopefully within five days, I'm going to have clear water once again. And Beaker will not be looking at the fish like they're a snack. And that's my story. Okay, my turn. My story isn't about Bunsen or Beaker. It's about my brother's cat, and his name is George. Okay, George is a white cat, small, about two to three years old, the the cat doctors estimate. Um, but yeah, he recently got fixed, and we brought him there and home in a kennel. And while he was in the kennel, after he got his, uh, his fixing, um, he was very squirmy-wormy. Um, he turned into a little worm so he was moving around in the crate doing somersaults or something and i almost dropped him like four times because he was moving around so much he was like he was going in circles and twisting the cage around and it was really weird but yeah that's my story is uh george does not like the kennel he sticks his little paws out of the crate uh like the grate and hopes for your finger if you put your finger in there he like Nuzzles up against it like a cute cat. Um, he's he's smart, so he can get out of the cone very easily. So the veterinarians had the the yeah the veterinarians right. Yeah. The veterinarians had to uh, make it into a harness. They had to tie it into different um, parts of his body. They had to tie it underneath him and then over top of him so that uh, he could um, actually have a cone on. Um, but now he's realized that he can take that off by jumping into the sink and using the faucet as leverage. But yeah, that is my story, um, George being funny. Uh, but yeah, Dad, do you have a story? I, I don't. This week has been a crazy busy week, and uh, I actually don't have anything that special to talk about. I took Beaker on a walk with me by herself because Bun- it was too hot for Bunsen. He went outside, and he like felt the heat, and he was like, I don't think so, and he turned around, and he refused to come on the walk. I guess that's a funny story. Um, and then Beaker's like, well, that's stupid. I'm going to go on the walk. The walk's the greatest thing ever. So we went down to the creek and, uh, she hunted for things, ate weird plants down in the creek. So yeah, that's too, not too much exciting has been happening here. End of the school year. We're just trying to survive until the end of June. So, uh, you could say that we found one more quill. Oh yeah. Uh, Chris found one more quill in, in Bunsen. Hopefully it's the last one. I really hope it's the last one. I don't think they bother Bunsen. They just like come out of his body. Um, well. He's a pretty tough guy. He's pretty tough. He's a tough dude. Well, he's actually not very tough. He's no, actually kind he's of a, time. he's actually kind of a big baby. All right. That's my story. Go ahead, Adam. Finish it up. Dad, we've made a monster. I was eating my carrot on the couch and Beaker was trying to steal it. She loves carrots. I held it in my hand and she opened her mouth very slowly and tried to steal it from me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that is the story time. That's story time for today. A bit, a little bit chaotic, but that's story time. I hope to see you guys next time on the podcast. Bye bye. That's the end of another science podcast episode. Thanks for coming back week after week to listen to us. Special thanks to Toya Palmer who talked to us about all things space and Mars. Special thanks should also be mentioned to our patrons on Patreon and our top tier patrons get their names read at the end of the podcast if you want that honor head over to our patreon page and sign up take it away chris nate stephenson debbie anderson 
Courtney Proven, Renee Hardy, Mary Rader, Shelby Leggett, Dan Fry, Mary Coos, Katia Lynch, Marianne McNally, Andrea Persons, Elizabeth Bourgeois, Karen Beth St. George, Bianca Hyde, Lisa Swartz, Catherine Jordan, Donna Craig, Lila Ashier, Jody Ogren, Liz Button, Kathy Zerker, and Ben Rathert. Let's close with the dog's motto for science, empathy, and cuteness. 